0: Go with me to Acts chapter 3. Last week I was not with my home church, and I'll tell you what, it's good to be home. Amen. We were across the across the street, across town, ministering at another church in town. It's it's awesome to see pastors unite, become unified. Um you know, I, I don't know if you've recognized, but we live in a world where unity is optional. Uh, the world doesn't think you have to be unified to do something. I mean, we see this in sports teams. We see this in entertainment. Uh, we see it in our own government. We think we're still going to accomplish something even though we're not of the same mind and working together. And The kingdom doesn't work that way. The kingdom requires unity. There's nothing in the kingdom that operates if you have a different vision than the head. And um, so it's exciting to be hooked up with other pastors that are kingdom minded, have a kingdom agenda. And um, that was a great week. So what I'm going to do tonight, actually, I'm just going to re preach my message that I preached over there last week. Um, I hope that you will receive it. Um, I believe it's a powerful word that uh, God gave me. And I'm not just going to use it for the road. I want to bring it home. So Acts chapter 3, let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 3, let me know when you're there. All right, two people, got it. Everybody else is waiting for Jimmy to throw it up on the screens, and then you're going to say, I'm there. I'm there. Acts chapter 3, Jimmy, we there? Jimmy's there. When Jimmy's there, we're all there. He brings us into one accord. He brings us into unity. Jimmy, we... Appreciate all you do, man. I, I, I get to mess with Jimmy a lot because, you know, when you're behind the scenes, nobody notices you unless something goes wrong. <laughs> Who's the first person we look at when there's a sound issue or the words aren't on the screen? Actually, I was spent probably about 25 minutes of my half-hour preparation time before service just figuring out that silly computer up there was doing something. It's just technical difficulties, man. One day, one day, I'm going to do it. We're going to come in here. We're going to shut the lights off. We're going to shut the air off. We're going to shut the screens off. We're going to shut the... We're just going to have church. Just church. We are the church. This doesn't make church. You and I make church. We're having church tonight because you're here. Amen. Maybe not the air. We'll leave the air on. Everything else. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So from the people that are going to church, this guy is asking... And, walk. and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. At What had happened now look at verse eleven now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called solomon 's greatly amazed you know i 've always read this passage and always seen this passage, and anytime i 've preached it before any time i 've read it before any time i 've great uh, i 've gained any type of great insight from this passage it 's always been Uh, From the perspective of Peter and John. It's always been either about the miracle that Peter and John perform here. Uh, It's always been about the name of Jesus. Because in the name of Jesus. uh, It's always been about they had something different than what he was expecting. He was expecting coins. He was expecting money. But they brought something different. They brought power to heal him. Amen. Amen. But. Where, where, where God started tweaking me on this is he actually, he, he said, read it from the perspective of the lame man. Read it from the perspective of the guy that's hurting. Read it from the perspective of the guy who for 40 plus years, because we learn in actually in Acts chapter, I think it's actually later on in Acts chapter 3, they ask the guy and he says, yeah, he was lame from his mother's womb all of his life and he was at least 40 years old, the Bible tells us. 40 plus years this is all this guy has known. And so uh, God revealed it to me from the perspective of the layman. And so I just want to show you what God showed me and I hope that it speaks to you the way that it spoke to me. The first thing I want for us to identify, is that this man is suffering with a condition called paralysis. He's paralyzed. He's paralyzed. And if we define paralyzed, it means this. A loss or impairment of voluntary movement. A loss or impairment of voluntary movement. That means you can't move or act on your own. You have lost the ability to move on your own. I need some kind of outside source, outside help to get me moving. It means to bring to a place of helpless stoppage. To bring to a place of helpless stoppage. Inactivity. Inactivity. The inability to act. The inability to act. It speaks of dysfunction... And paralysis in the body is literally a disconnect from the head to the body. I'll say that again. It's literally a disconnect from the head to the body. From the head to the body. And so what I want us to identify with tonight is the areas in our lives, that we're disconnected, that we are, that areas of inactivity, areas that need to be strengthened, areas that we have been impaired in, in voluntary movement, voluntary accessibility, the ability to, on our own, move something. This will begin to speak as we Look at this. So it says, verse 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. What you have to know is in the previous chapter, we have one of the greatest moments, probably the greatest moment in the history of the church. Acts chapter 2 is where we know the disciples did what Jesus said to do, go and wait. For the promise of the father who's that the Holy Spirit and so they went and he said don't go preaching don't go teaching don't go do any miracles until you receive the Holy Spirit and so there's 120 of them up in an upper room in one accord all together one mind unified waiting on the Holy Spirit and what a powerful service. What a powerful service. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes in with the sound as of a mighty rushing wind. We know that tongues of fire uh, show up on their heads. Tongues like fire show up on their heads. And they begin speaking in other tongues. Such a, 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 a massive demonstration that the people on the street can hear them speaking in their own languages. The end of the chapter, uh, Peter gets to preach. Peter all of a sudden gets this This boldness to get up and stand for Christ, even when he denied Christ himself. And and so we see that this was a powerful day in the church. 3,000 people came into the church. Let me tell you how powerful this day was. The church was bringing their own items to the leaders, to the apostles, to the disciples, so that they could be dispersed to people in need. Now that's a powerful day in church. When you've got people bringing you stuff voluntarily, you're not having to ask for it, you're not having to beg to raise money, you're not having to you know, pull teeth to, you know, to get uh, some money for the children's ministry. They're saying, this is extra stuff that I have. I mean, so much so that we know over in Acts chapter 5, people are selling lands, people are selling property, people are selling animals and, 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 and doing all kinds of things, giving away finance and resource so that the needs could be met in the church. That's a good day. All in a day's work. But how many times do we come to church and we have powerful services but then we don't have the power to serve. We have great services, but then we get in the world and we aren't of service. And here, the very next chapter after this great manifestation, this great uh, 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 day in the church, this this awesome service that they had, the Holy Spirit fell. They're all speaking in tongues. People are being saved and born again, coming into the kingdom, making disciples. And the very next day, here's Peter and John on the way to what? The temple. On the way to the temple. But before they even get in the temple, there's a need. See, sometimes we think that we have to get in church before we see God move. And they find out he actually wants to move before we even get inside there. See, we we gotta open. How many miracles have we walked by on the way to church and missed an opportunity to be the church? Guys, we cannot miss our opportunities in the world. I was just asked just the other day, what do we, you know, what, what's going on with outreach? What are we gonna do about outreach? You realize you are the greatest outreach ministry this church has. I don't have to put on an event. I don't have to feed a homeless guy. I don't have to help a soup kitchen. I don't have to build somebody a house. You are the outreach ministry of Anchor Faith Church. Let's get off and let's get out there and reach out to people. Don't wait for your pastor to give you a mandate. Don't wait for your pastor to have a sign-up sheet. And don't wait for your pastor to call an offering. Get out there and start reaching the people in your world, in your life. You are reaching people. Out. That's what outreach ministry is. Sometimes we just put labels on it like it's got to have a logo and it's got to have an event and it's got to sign up for it. And we got to give away resources. We got to do this. We got to do that. You're reaching out day in and day out. Outreach ministry is happening every day. I'm getting testimonies of it. I get the testimonies of what you're doing out there in the world, in the jobs you live in. The people you're reaching, the conversations you're having. And guys, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it's the same guy you've been bugging for the last three years. And they're meaner today than they were three years ago. And you're still reaching. I I don't know how many of you were here when Pastor Earl ministered and you heard his testimony of the guy at his job and he was at Bible school and he says, by the time you graduate, I'm going to get you in the strip club. And he said, by the time I graduate, I'm going to get you in the kingdom. The guy was not just In opposition of Christianity, he was hostile towards it, and he was so opposed that he said, I'm going to get you on my side. See, it's one thing to say, no, I don't want to hear about your Jesus. It's another thing to say, I'm going to get you to denounce Jesus. And that's the world. But you heard the testimony, his last day of work, that the guy pulled him aside and said, "I, I, I need your help. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Why? Because he lived it, because he was the church. He didn't have to sign up for that. No one had to, to, to get him, drag him into it. No one. It wasn't something that he woke up early for on a Saturday and, and, and spent his time doing. It was just the day in, day out, reaching out. And So here's Peter and John. They're not thinking, let's find a miracle today. They're thinking, let's go to church and pray. That's all that's on their mind. It says right there, very clearly, they went up together to the temple in the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, to pray. And so let's go. Verse 2. Verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. First of all, we want to point this out. This man knows no other condition. He's identified by his condition. His condition is his identity. They don't know his name. They don't know his history. They don't know his past. All they know is, that's the lame man that sits at the gate begging. That's all they know. This is his identity. He's identified by his condition from his mother's womb. On the uh, the flip side of that, that's all he knows. This is all he knows. He doesn't know what it's like to take a step. He doesn't know what it's like to stand up. He doesn't know what it's like to have strong legs. This guy doesn't know what it's like to do something on his own. He's always had to have help. Always had to have help. And it says here that he was carried. Whom... They laid daily, daily, daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Now, let me tell you something, guys. This guy was having to be brought to a temple to receive help. He's being brought to the very place where God is. And he's having to receive help. But it says here that he's coming daily. Daily. Somebody's carrying him daily. What the guy needed was healing. And he's settling for help. He could only get people to get him to the gate. He could never get anybody to get him inside. I wonder if the people we surround ourselves with, I wonder if the people around us are people that are helping us or people that are healing us. I wonder if there are people that are only getting us so far but then leaving us or are they people that can carry us all the way into the answer. Just on the other side of that gate is the answer this guy is looking for. Just on the other side of that gate Is the healing he's looking for. And he has settled for help. Now help. Always keeps you coming back for more. Help. Is just a fix. Until the next time you need it. Guys we can't come to church just looking for help. This isn't a place where we just come down. For every altar call and for every visitation, this is a place of healing. This is a place where you can get delivered. This is a place where you can get set free. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't help, but the help that we have to bring is different than the help somebody else is going to give you. This is so this is why sometimes we're always running back in the same cycle, in the same circles, running back to the same people because they helped us last time. And we become dependent on their help rather than getting dependent on God's healing. i gonna tell you right now, God wants people healed. God wants people saved. God wants people restored. God wants people delivered. Jesus, when he got up in the temple for the first time and ministered, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. To set at liberty the captives. Not just keep them captive and always in mind that I need deliverance. But to set them free and get them delivered. To restore sight to the blind. That's what Jesus preached when he came to the temple. Isaiah chapter 61, he, he he went back and then he stands before him and says, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your presence. And that's when the town got in an uproar. That's when the religious leaders got in an uproar. Why? Because now someone's bringing healing and we've just been living off of help. These were people that were in a cycle of we have to, Offer up our sins. And we have to ask for forgiveness and we have to pray to God. And now Jesus is showing another way. Jesus is identifying no, my God doesn't just want to keep helping you, He wants to heal you altogether. He wants to make you new altogether. What's your identity? This man has been identified with his condition, and his condition has put him in a position that I have to get help. whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful. It's amazing he could have such a he could be in such a beautiful place but still have an ugly condition. You know, we we have people that come to church with those same things. And we get in a beautiful place and we and, and we hide and we facade the things that are really going on within us. The conditions that we're really identifying we, we, we come here with the smiles and we identify with weakness out there. But this is a place of healing. This is a place of hope. This is a place of deliverance. Whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. To ask alms for those who entered the temple. So this man is not looking for healing. This man is just looking for help. He found people to help him remain in his condition. But just on the other side of that gate was the healing that he was looking for. You understand that when he was begging for alms, he's looking for change. He's looking for change, literally. But the change that he was looking for was just temporary God wanted to bring a change that was permanent God wanted to change him God wanted to change his condition God wanted to change his identity God wanted to change his 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 weakness God wanted to change his position God wanted to change him and so we keep on going here in verse it says now who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asks for alms. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. He's asking for alms from people that really contain healing. He's asking for help from people that can actually offer much more than help. These people offered the ability not just to pick him up and carry him to the next location. These people offered, Peter and John offered the ability, they had the ability to give him more than just some coins. More than just gold and silver. More than just a a temporary fix. More than just temporary change. More than just something that would get him from this moment to the next moment. Because I can give you change today and you're going to have to be carried right back here tomorrow and get more. It's this guy's lifestyle. It's all he knows. If I'm getting anywhere, someone's picking me up and putting me there. And when I arrive at that location, I've got to get enough to last me until the next time I can get here. And now Peter and John are standing right before him, and he, they, he does not even recognize, doesn't even know what they have. Now, isn't that the way sometimes it is in the world? that person in the in 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 the cubicle next to you they probably don't even know what you have that person that you work alongside with they don't even know what you have that person that that's always trying to get you in on their drinking and in on their jokes and in on talking the way that they talk and they don't even realize what you have on the inside of I mean, Peter and John have just just come from one of the most awesome experiences they've ever had. That the promise that Jesus talked about in John 14, 15, and 16, he's here. We now have the power of the Holy Spirit upon us to do the works that Jesus said in John 14, verse 12. Greater works than these will you do. Because I go to the Father. Because Jesus ascended to his Father, Peter and John now have the ability to do what Jesus did and even greater works than Jesus did. They've just come right out of a a, a great church service. And he doesn't even recognize it. Monday morning, they don't even know what you got Sunday morning. They don't even realize it. But don't let that deter you don't let that deter you don't go don't get discouraged you just got to you just got to know it's in me whether they see it or not whether they value it or not whether they accept it or not whether they want it or not i have the power in me to help change their situation that's what coming to church is all about that's what this is all about empowering you to go out there, empowering you here so we can change something out there, empowering you in here so you can go out there with power. He says, I don't want you to just know about the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want this to be something you just talk about. I want this to be something you live. I want this to be something you present to the world around you. Guys, church is not something we just talk about. Guys, church is not just something, well, you should have heard the message my pastor had yesterday. No, you should say you should know the power that I received yesterday as a result of being in church. If you only knew. If you only knew. If he only knew what was standing right in front of them. It says, fixing his eyes on him. Verse 4, with John, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. He didn't say, look at Jesus. He didn't didn't say, let me tell you about what Jesus did. He didn't say, now, let, let me tell you about this man. There's this man that I used to walk with for the last three and a half years. And man, this condition right here, I saw him. No, they said, look at us. See, when, when, when you get emboldened in here, you'll go out there and say, no, look at me. And it's not you. It's what's in you. It's not about you. It's what God's put in you. See, too many times we devalue the power of God in us because of us. But if we realize that it's really not about us at all, I'm just the vessel that God is using at this opportune time then you'll allow the power of God to flow through you and touch that person's life. Peter and John say, look at us. Look at us. And so, what does that do? That raises some expectation for him. He says in verse 5, So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Expecting to receive something something from them. Now, we already know his expectation is not what Peter and John really have. His expectation is I'm about to get some money. I'm about to fill up my cup. They're about to drop some change in here. He doesn't even recognize they're about to drop some change in here. They're about, I'm about To have to never come back to this spot again. I'm about to receive something that will help me go out and get this for myself. This thing that I've been begging for. This thing that I've been pleading for. This thing that I've been hoping for. I'll be able to go out and get it myself because I'll receive healing rather than help. He's expecting help. But he doesn't recognize he's about to receive healing. This is good. Now he's come into contact with people that can offer him something different than what he's been getting. In verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Well, that's disappointing. Well, that's disappointing. I just ministered with our leadership staff on Saturday, that every expectation comes with limitations. It's amazing how that works. You are expecting something, but it doesn't take very long to recognize the things that are limiting you from receiving what you're expecting. Anybody that I know that has started a business has endured this. You start a business with great expectations. If you didn't have the expectation, then you wouldn't start the business. Jesus talked about counting the cost. So what happens when our expectation is up here, but our limitations are all here, and they're keeping us from getting to our expectation? This guy has an expectation, and immediately he's met with a limitation. Uh, Silver and gold, I have. Silver and gold, uh, I don't have that. I know what you're looking for. I know you're expecting me to help you. But what God wants to do is what Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, that he wants to expand our expectations. Because it's, the Bible says that he can do Far greater, far more, far better, more exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. So if you're asking for temporary change, he can bring you some permanent change. If you're asking for help, he can bring you some healing. If you're asking for a quick fix, he can, he can fulfill the, the, the thing that will fix you forever. Forever. So we can't get bogged down in limitations. But he says silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. Aren't you thankful Peter and John didn't show up empty handed? Aren't you thankful Peter and John didn't show up with nothing? Peter and John didn't show up. Just trying to meet a temporary need. But they saw beyond that. I know you're expecting me to help you. I know that's as much as you can expect right now. I know that's as far as you can think right now. I know that all you think I have to offer you is just another hand to temporarily help you. But I've got more than that. You can't look at the lack. you got to look at what you have. He says, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. Rise up and walk. It says "And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now, look what verse eight says. So he. So he. So he, leaping up, stood and walked. He, he had to put some action to what he was being asked to do. So he, leaping up, Peter has pulled him up, but now he has leapt up. And now he's walking, and now he's standing. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He got it down here. Feet and ankle bones. He got it right down here. They receive strength. It's amazing the strength that we'll receive as we're doing it. See, sometimes we don't feel like we have the strength to get up. Sometimes we don't feel like we have the strength to make the first move. I'm telling you right now that it's what you do. It's what happens in the doing. In the process, in the applying. If you're getting tired of applying the word, just keep applying the word. If you're getting tired of doing the word, just keep doing the word because it's in the doing that you receive strength. We just saw on Sunday in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham, while he was glorifying God, was strengthened in faith. He did not become weak. In his heart. But by glorifying God. It's what you do in the process that strengthens you. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep doing. You've got to keep applying. It says he walked. And entered the temple with them. What's that? He just got to go somewhere he'd never been before. He just got to enter a place he had never been able to enter before. He had always been brought right to the brink and was left. But now because he's come into contact with somebody different, they're able to take him somewhere different. No limitations. Now I'm around somebody that not is just, that's, that's not just going to help me. They're going to heal me. And now I can get to the place myself. And they came he came into the temple walking, leaping, and praising God. Isn't it interesting that this man's able to praise God? He's not even saved. Not even born again. Maybe he doesn't even know who Jesus is. At this point, Peter hasn't even preached yet. He hasn't even preached, and we've already got a miracle. He doesn't start preaching until verse twelve. He actually let the miracle be the catalyst for the preaching. He let the miracle be the thing that spurs people on to, we need to learn about this. We need to find out who's doing this. And in verse 12 is when he begins preaching. But this guy's already praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he, he who sat begging. Who's he? He who sat begging alms at the, at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Now, basically, that's where the story ends. Essentially, that's where this story ends. In fact, in my Bible, in the New King James Bible, it, it actually stops there at verse 10, and then I've got a little heading that says, Preaching in Solomon's Portico, and then verse 11 starts. Anybody else got that? There's a division there. There's a, it, it stops. And... Every time I've read this before, I've concluded, "Well, there's the story of the lame man. And then we move into another section. But I always miss this first sentence of verse 11. The first part of the sentence. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. I mean, listen, listen, let me read it again. You'll get it. Now as the lame man. Who was healed. Held on to. Peter and John. Now why is he still holding on. If he's healed. Why? Because previously it tells us. His feet. And ankle bones. Receive strength. But you know where he was still weak? In his mind. Why? Because this has been my condition for 40 plus years. This is all I've known. Isn't that how it works? God will do something on the outside. And now we've got to get something changed on the inside. Man. How did we miss that? His mentality has got to catch up to his reality. Why are we still holding on when we're healed? I can walk. I can take steps by myself. He was walking and leaping and praising God. Oh, hold on, guys. Don't go too fast. But what's that show us? When we see people delivered in the world, there's still work to be done. When God's doing a work in us. We can get healed here. But we still got to get some change out there. There's still a. Mind renewal that has got to take place. You can get the slave out of Egypt, but it's tough to get Egypt out of the slave. But, man, I'll tell you what. If you just stick at it, if you keep working the mind, keep working the word, keep teaching, keep instructing, keep developing, keep growing, keep applying, i tell you what. That mentality will change, and you'll find out, wow, I can take this step by myself. I can take this step by myself. I was doing it. God healed me. God delivered me. He set me free. The chains are loose. The, the bonds are broken. But here I am still still trying to hold on but man if I just keep working it just keep staying at it I'm going to change my mind and when I change my mind I can change my life I'm not holding on anymore I'm not holding on anymore there's still work to do there's still work to do there's still work he's trying to do in us guys he's healed you yes He sets you free. Yes, His power works like that. His power is powerful. God is full of power. He's healed your marriage, but there's still some changing going on. He's healed your body, but there's still some mind working going on. He's healed your finances, but there's still some changing. How am I working this? How am I applying it? How am I thinking it? It's not over. It's not over. Guys, I don't know. What side you're on. There's so many perspectives, so many avenues with this message. I don't know if you're the one that's been healed, but there's still a mentality going. I don't know if you're the one you've been ministering to somebody. You've been speaking to somebody. You've been, you, 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 you've, you've, you've been talking with them and talking with them and talking with them, and all they seem to want is help, and you realize, I've got some healing to give you. I've got answers. It's not about me. But God has appointed me for such a time as this. I'll work alongside you so you can see God in operation. They need to see God in operation in you. It wasn't enough for Peter and John to have this powerful, overwhelming, Holy Spirit-filled service. Man, John, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that great? I mean, I saw that tongue on your head, man. You were talking it too. He showed up to you. Wasn't that awesome? 3,000 people came in. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a miracle right here that needs to take place. There's something right here that needs to happen. There's something God wants to do right here in front of the temple. There's something right here before we even get in, before we start the worship, before the guitar's even strung. There is something God wants me to do in this life right here. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing, Father. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence. Father, we thank you for the opportunities where you have come to visit us, to show yourself strong in our services, in our lives. But, Father, we know that what you're doing in us is not for us. What you're doing in us is to work through us. Father, help us be ministers. Help us meet needs. Help us serve the world the way you've called us to. You told them, look, you're going to start in Jerusalem, and it's, go, it's going to go to Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the world. But first, I need you to get something. First, I need you to meet with me. First, I need to empower you. But, Father, what the empowering was for was not just for them. It was to reach that world. It was to reach Jerusalem. It was to reach Judea. It was to reach Samaria. It was to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, we look past our experiences. We look past the moments where you've shown shown yourself strong. Father, we thank you for the times that you have shown yourself strong in our lives. But we know it's more than that. It's deeper than that. Father, we start walking this thing out. We start putting one step in front of the other. And even though there's times we feel like we got to hold on, even though there's times we feel like we still need some help, Father, you are healing us. May we renew our minds. May we allow our minds to change so that our lives can change. May we allow our minds to grow and develop so our lives can grow and develop. May we recognize, Father, that even though healing is instant, living that healing out can take time. Father, we keep working it. We keep enduring. We keep running and striving to reach the goal that you've set before us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we will rise again. We will walk again. Even if it's something we've never known before. Even if it's something we've never seen before. Even though this might seem like this is brand new to us, Father, we keep working it and keep going at it. So we can see the fulfillment of what you have for us. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.